2: From
1: Cabernet to Mone, they're
3: here to slay the art history
2: babes. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny, and I'm Jen, and we are the art history babes. Mm.
3: And we still have our special guest, Christina, with us. You can't
0: get rid of me. Never.
3: <laughs> um. <Hi yes>. Mom. <laughs> Aww. Quick shout out from Nat over oh, there. <laughs> no, Christina's mom. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I am mother to all these children. That's True. no
0: offense to The and, children of the yeah. world. Christina's
1: mom. Mama <laughs> Teresa. <Right>? Mama Christina.
3: <laughs> Our beautiful art history mom right here.
1: Aww. Oh, oh, we love her. So, what have you guys been up to lately?
3: <laughs> I'm really curious to know. You're so smooth. You are. Because um, um, you're so smooth. I, um. Uh, I went to a Dave Matthews Band concert Ooh. in San Diego. Yeah, crash into oh, me, crash. crash into me. It, crash into crash, me yeah, it was great because like we were both like we were there ironically both. and not at all because I fucking <laughs> love Dave Matthews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like the most fun I've ever had. So if you ever have the opportunity to get drunk at a Dave Matthews Band concert, do not pass that shit up. Sure. It's so much fun.
1: Did he empty out the contents of his tour bus septic tank? Oh like I like he did that one that. time. He did that? Yeah, that over a sad. bridge and it rained on people.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh god damn it, Dave. You fucking weirdo. <laughs> sorry, sorry,
1: Dave. I know that you're
2: Oh wait, was that Dave? I don't yeah, know Yeah, it... Was it, Dave? Was was it, or was it Hootie we'll and have, Blowfish? We'll, <laughs> was it Hootie? I don't know! Wait, we'll, was we'll have our fact checker check it later. Hey, Dave,
1: <laughs> if that wasn't you, I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> sorry, Dave. Our bad. Wait, um, I'm the fact checker.
2: Jenny, what have you been... Have you been? Oh! Um, not a whole lot. I went to um, a Japanese tea garden in Saratoga, California. Wow. Called Hakone. And it's <laughs> like 18 <laughs> acres and... Um, the architecture was dope. I love architecture, especially, like, ah, oh, Japanese architecture Yeah, so
1: cool. Pagodas.
2: Um, <laughs> anyways... <laughs> It was really cool. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I try to go to a lot of Japanese tea gardens, which isn't always the easiest thing to do in the States. I eventually will get to Japan.
3: Will you take me to a Japanese tea garden? Yeah, I would love to. I so go. far,
2: my favorite one, and this is like to anyone who's like interested or into it or whatever. Uh, my favorite Japanese tea garden is the one in Portland. It's the only one in Portland, small city. Ooh. Um, but it's beautiful. And Hakone is beautiful as well, but, like, the one in Portland just has a little special place in my heart.
3: We but. could do an art history babe trip Ooh, to the Japanese Tea garden. Yeah. yes, We out here at the Japanese oh, Tea Oh, so yeah, we need to do by by more of the Koi of
2: those. fish pond.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, koi
0: fish.
3: Be delightful. Um, Jen,
0: what have you been up to? <laughs>
1: oh, oh, so it's been really fun, you guys. So what have I been up to? I've been working um, 40 hours a week. At a um, toxicology lab <laughs> in, in uh, a, a rural um, town, okay? And, um, and I, I check to make sure that you guys aren't eating poisonous um, vegetables. It's been really fun. Besides that, I've been uh, rearranging my apartment. I've been watching sad movies. I've also been having little personal parties where I blast James Brown. It's really fun. Um, and that's kind of about it but this weekend I'm going to go see Santana with my Dope. dad in San Francisco, oh, California. So
3: you have such a rich life. I love
1: my Pop Pop and we're going to be out there. Shout out to Pop Pop. And we're going to be like um pop, pop give me your heart make it real or, or let's forget about it.
3: Let's
0: forget about
1: it.
3: <laughs> 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 Oh, it's so great. Oh, Um, my God. So that's that's what we've been doing. Um, But, yeah, so we're doing part two of our episode on architecture and power. And if you listen to the first episode, I left you in a little bit of a cliffhanger after our just tearing into Corbu for... Cordouche. 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 (laughs) Hashtag Cordouche. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, so we left you Corboo... Uh, met up with Mussolini and in 1934, and yeah. and Ginny's got some things to say about that.
2: Oh God, uh we're just like moving from one asshole to another. <laughs> but the thing As is, Mussolini was was a lot more uh, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you're, so <laughs> kind, you're so kind, you're so kind, Corbu. But okay, so Mussolini, Benito Mussolini, Italian, kind of. Orchestrates the beginning of the fascist movement. And so the fascists in Italy really regarded their rise to power as a revolution. And the fascist revolution was, you know, the marking of it was them marching on Rome because Mar- Rome is really like the center of power for Italy. And so they marked the beginning of their revolution from that day in the 20s when they marched on Rome and kind of seized power. And understandably, you have a new government, you have a new source of power, they're fascists, they need to have a sort of artistic and architectural style that is going to mark their movement. And here's where it gets a little confusing, as it does many times with dictators, because they're really kind of hodgepodge, kind of slapping in different elements of things because they don't know what they're doing. But anyways, um, so the fascists... As it pertains to architecture, there was no clear architectural style for the fascist movement. The futurist architects were very much integral to this and Mussolini did make a stance that like, modern architecture is revolutionary and we are revolutionary because again, like the fascists really wanted to promote this sense of like a fascist revolution. Um, And they were really influenced by like the, Uh, revolution in Russia and the communists, but they wanted to separate themselves from them. So this brings about like this beginning of this weird hybrid of different styles, because on the one side, Mussolini and the fascists were like, yes, modern architecture. It's great. It's cool. It's what we're all about. But on the other hand, Mussolini really wanted to tap into ancient Rome, And he wanted to do this for kind of a variety of reasons. The main one was that, you know, there was an undisputed kind of legacy of power with ancient Rome, particularly the emperors of ancient Rome. So Mussolini wanted to tap into this ancient Roman imperial kind of visual rhetoric and bring that back with a fascist regime. And he did this by likening himself to the Emperor Augustus and saying, "Hey, with me and with the fascist, con- oh gosh, the fascist control." It's like saying fascist a lot of times. It makes more hard. Spit like a tongue twister in my <laughs> mouth. Um, fascist, 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 fascist. Not it's a spit easy creator. <laughs> So, this is what the fascist regime started doing, where they they were going about this kind of cleansing of Italy and making rebirth of the Roman Empire through this new modern fascist lens.
0: It's interesting that you talk about fascism in ancient Rome mm. because as a sort of ancient art historian
2: tell me Christina
0: I will tell you um, <laughs> it's kind of interesting because one of the big uh, sort of monuments of ancient Rome is the Pacis, which was one of the mausoleums to the Pax Romana that Augustus mm-hmm. instated right. in the early sort of the turn of the millennium right but what is interesting that is that Mussolini when he came into mm-hmm. power literally Picked up the Arapacus and moved it, like, a mile yeah. towards the river. <laughs> yeah. Picked it up piece by piece and yeah. transported it. Yeah. And put it in a new <laughs> place. Yeah. It's it, where it is now when you go by the Tiber River that's not where it originally was that's what I would
1: do if I was the dictator of Italy if I was El
0: Duce if, if you are El Duce, El Duce you can pick up a monument and move it wherever you want to suit whatever interest you own political history interest you want. now. Yeah. yeah and he did it so that it would be closer to the mausoleum where Augustus was buried to sort of create a connection between him and Augustus was, was
1: he a short man he was he was a
0: shorter man oh. He was well-muscled. Yes.
1: Well-muscled. <laughs> he had that small dog syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: That mm-hmm. Napoleon complex.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a real weird dude. Like, when talking about, like, Winkelmann and this kind of obsession with white marble and, like, Carrara marble, yeah. in particular, it, this really <laughs> has a resurgence with Mussolini, where he's, like... Reclaiming go- the ancient yes. Roman past. and In it's multiple ways. Yeah, yeah it's, like reaffirmation of
0: we are the sort of rebirth of yeah. this great, great, great Roman
2: Empire. And it's our birthright because it is our birth- we yeah. have inherited this kind of glorious past. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's going into the quarries in Carrara and bringing back all this mass amount of marble to start constructing all of these various monuments and buildings and complexes to really um, kind of stabilize Rome as this center that is both historically powerful and important, but is also a new center of fascist Italian power. And he did this in a variety of ways. And I'll, I'll only talk about a couple of the complexes that he made. And like, if you go to Rome today, there's is everywhere. And they're most,
0: what's interesting is they're mostly on the outskirts of Rome. Yes. They're not
2: in the historic
0: yeah. city center. <laughs> they're on the sort of the more residential outskirts yes. like Garbatella. If you ever go to Garbatella, that is a very residential area very steeped in sort of fascist history. And like,
2: you wouldn't even necessarily know that it's Mussolini and fascist Mm -hmm. connected unless you kind of knew Knew about about it it already. And it it is really amazing that so much of it is still intact. Because by the end, Italians fucking hated him. Yeah, You know, they lynched him. But there are still a lot of physical, visual imprints of Mussolini and the fascist reign of Italy. And one of those is Foro Mussolini, which today is known as Foro Italico. And you can still go there today. If you go to Rome, I highly recommend it. It's a trip. So Foro Mussolini was constructed to be like a sports city. And Mussolini, like many dictators, really put a lot into the youth of the country. So Italian youth would be the future fascists and their education as well as physical like prowess, you know, physical training, being fit, being strong, was deemed very important. So he built this complex to really facilitate this future generation of fascists. So there were stadiums, there were pools, there were tracks. And you can you know, still go to those today. They're, yeah. They're,
0: they're very open. I Very I would, open. Yeah. You can see people swimming in those pools. It's wild. It's crazy. <laughs> it's it is so the most weird. Cold. It's a strangest place. It's like it's straight so out of weird. Like, like another time. You feel like time. you're in the
2: Twilight Zone yeah, or yeah,
0: something. Because it's so normal just outside of it. And yeah. as soon as you go in, it's very like 1940s. Exactly.
2: exactly. Yeah. And like there's one, um, the Stadium of the Marbles. And it's like a, it's a track. And then it's the seats as well as statues are all built of Carrara marble. And each statue is like a male idealized version of the different provinces in Italy. And it's so, it's like this, again, it's this weird, like, a hybrid combination of, like, ancient Roman, ancient Greek mm-hmm. kind of visual rhetoric with, like, oh, but hey, it's, like, fascist, too. Yeah, and then leading
0: up into that area, especially where, like, that Olympic stadium mm-hmm. was, you see all these sort of fascist mosaics. Yeah! Which
2: are... Piazza L'Edolempio. Yeah,
0: very weird. Yeah. So strange. There's just, like, these... You have this, like, mosaic tradition right, going back thousands of years, right. but the imagery of fascist,
2: Right, right. fascist related to
0: sports, related to identity, related right. to political regime.
2: Right. It's exactly.
0: Insane. Exactly. And
2: it's all interconnected to kind of create this architectural space. And, like, when you think of architecture, it's not just buildings. It's also, like, the outdoor constructed space. And in many cases, this is constructed in a way that is meant to, like, educate, but also to control. So this is really, like, power at work, where it's selecting specific kind of visual imagery from, like, the past, but also implementing, like, the goals of fascism, where it's, like, you're very fit, and you're very loyal, and you're aggressive, and you can fight. And you also are aware of your, like, great past of the ancient Romans. And it's all kind of living and breathing in this space, which, you know, is, again, meant to control. It's meant to facilitate the action that, like, Mussolini and the fascists wanted for future Italians. And so this is just one of the examples and, you know, like the the mosaics that christina was talking about like in um it's like in a little piazza Mm -hmm. and they're still there today and at the entrance of this piazza there's an obelisk and it's like again an obelisk and i'll talk about this more in another episode another time because there's a lot to say about it but it's originally ancient egyptian and then the romans when they conquered ancient egypt would bring obelisks back to rome and so mussolini had his own obelisk constructed and it's you know it's an obelisk but it's also a little bit different like it doesn't have that typical look of your typical Egyp- your typical egyptian egyptian obelisk yeah. but it's still kind of like laying claim to this imperial ancient past but also putting his own touch on it i mean it's literally carved into the side is um the leader in latin so it's making this like very phallic statement of like hey i'm here i'm the man and this is like using the same kind of status symbol that roman emperors used Mm -hmm. who took it from pharaohs and so it's all this kind of like recycling of different ways of implementing power visually and you know like in this piazza like they had like little stone tablets around it that would mark um significant events during the fascist revolution i i said that and i did air quotes because <laughs> a lot of people don't really consider it to be a revolution but so they had those and then amazingly enough after mussolini fell and was killed they had like stone tablets that were blank This so you know they were like built and reserved for like future great you know events and fascist mm-hmm. history and they actually used those to record the downfall fascist of history yeah Um, so that's how, like, some of these things are still in existence, and, like, even the obelisk itself, it's always, like, has graffiti on it and shit, you know, it's just, it's not the same, (laughs) but it's still there, it's still there, and, and it's really interesting to see, um. It's definitely worth
0: the trip, and it's not, like, it's it's definitely one of those, like, out of the way, not typical tourist places. But very, very much worth it. Yeah,
2: no, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's just so interesting to like
0: walk through there and to see people still exercising and they had the olympics there in the 60s yeah they did yeah
2: like what (laughs) why (laughs) Why? (laughs) Um, (laughs) but one more uh site that i'll talk about that mussolini had constructed is um eur which um is kind of like it's a weird blend so it was like built under this like university project and um, it was also meant to be like a metropolis. And so this was built in an area that was like a swamp. It was a malaria-infested, <laughs> nasty, nasty swamp. Mm. And when I was reading about this and when I first heard about it, I couldn't help but connect it to like Louis the Fourteenth and building Versailles because yeah. it was the same kind of condition. And so this is just reclaiming the land it's reclaiming the land it's demonstrating your dominance over nature and how architecture and where you choose to build can be so important to like recognize and just be like wow like this person had the idea to build in some in a place that was deemed impossible or impractical and how that is Mm -hmm. such a conscious choice and so it's the same thing with um Mussolini deciding to build this metropolis there and you know it it was built as a part of the 20th anniversary of when Mussolini and the fascists marched on rome and kind of um rose to power and it stands for the Espozione universale di roma (laughs) and um one of the again jenny stop no no no
3: um
2: (laughs) (laughs) And the most significant building in the EUR, and the one that I'm just, the only one I'm going to really talk about, is the Square Colosseum. And it's got like a full name. It's the Palazzo della uh, Civilità Italiana. And it's a really, really weird building. And again, it shows this weird-ass fascist architecture style where it's like a blend of modern architecture, and ancient architecture. Ancient architecture mostly because it's multiple levels of arches, much like the Colosseum. Where it's different is that it's a square and it's all white, so it's Carrara marble. So it's this really imposing uh, white kind of weird fucking looking it building. It
3: Screams of fascism. Like you yeah. look at it and you're
2: like, yeah, it Yeah. yeah. that's definitely fascist. It's imposing. Like when domineering it's when, like you, think,
0: domineering. Yeah. It's, when yeah. you think fascist, the image in your mind <laughs> probably that's, that building. That's, that's that's probably <laughs> that building. That's what it <laughs> is. I yeah. really
1: I do think of Mussolini, I do. I, I think of him and I think of his his little short body and <laughs> uh, concretey or ar- Con- concrete um architecture. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, he did a good job. He did a good job of <laughs> branding himself. <laughs> good yeah, good job, Il, Il, Duce. <laughs> yes. Il Duce. Hashtag Il <laughs> Duce.
0: Hashtag Che. Oh, um, man. Maybe we shouldn't hashtag that. No,
2: yeah. let's no, not. Let's not. Someone created a Twitter account under oh, Il Duce no. with quotes from Il Duce oh, kind of baiting Trump to retweet yeah, quotes from Yeah, it worked, him. didn't it? It did. And the quote was like, it's better um, to live one day as a lion than like 100 as a sheep or something like that. And Trump retweeted it.
3: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Go to your happy place for a happy
2: price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh um, man! I digress. God damn it! Back... <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing. So on this, where Colosseum, inscripted in Latin, is the quote: "A people of poets, artists, saints, thinkers, scientists, sailors, explorers." So this is literally labeling Italy as like the cradle of all that is good and intellectual and brave and kind of any kind of impact on humanity. So it just really shows like the ultimate hubris of Mussolini and the fascist regime as like really feeling entitled to this greatness because of the past and not so much because of what was actually present at the time. because literally the fascists were not like contributing great things to the world of art and history and politics. You know, a lot of horrible things happened under the fascist regime, but there is this sense of like entitlement. And of course, race incorporates into that, you know, you have all these white structures and like these statues, white marble sculptures of all the, or, you know, di- the different regions in Italy. And it's, you know, it, it's all just kind of orchestrated under this umbrella of like racial power and dominance i also and... liked it was in that
3: that documentary oh uh, we yeah the bbc documentary i loved it dr he, james
2: fox love yeah you.
3: <laughs> he's the cutest um there's a great bbc documentary um that we used for research for this episode that will be on our sources but when he's talking about Mussolini, i he phrased it perfectly, he was like, Mussolini decided that they were Aryan. yeah Or he just decided yes. that yeah. they were white.
2: And that was, like, a lot of his thing because in the beginning, Mussolini didn't even have a problem with Jewish people and then it was kind of like, oh, like, this guy Hitler is picking up momentum and I feel competitive with him so, yeah, actually, I don't like Jewish people either. I mean, he was full of shit. What at- a loser! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. but Selective racism. Yeah. <laughs> But the architecture still stands and I think it just reminds us to look at constructed spaces because every architectural space that you're in, no matter um, if it's political or educational or whatever, it's constructed with a meaning behind it. Like It it wants to kind of generate a certain reaction or um, experience and to really be mindful of that and I think it also can just say safely like, when someone is trying to bring in elements of the past and talking about this kind of rebirth of greatness of the past, we should be nervous.
3: Oh, <laughs> Jenny, yeah. I love it. I uh, Love it.
2: That was very subtle. <laughs> 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 so, yes, thank you. Damn it. And come
1: again. I'm like her biggest fan, you
3: guys. <laughs> I think we're all each other's biggest fans.
1: It's true. I I, know that's that's real. And and I God God damn it! I just really appreciate when um, when you guys get going on like a thing that you're really excited about. It just makes me so happy to know you. And I'm I'm kind of drunk, you know, and I'm getting emotional. Hey, we're happy to know you too. Oh baby, (laughs) you guys. So um I think we're going to shift gears um a little bit here and not in any sort of expected way but um I think that it's kind of fun to consider a non-western yep. approach to architecture and power and to have this discussion. I am here with my lovely Christina and okay um like <laughs> I have a mouthful of Goat cheese. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with the goat cheese, too. I'm going to get some of that. Get it. It's very good. Wait, that's my wine. Oh, no, that's fine. So, I'm here it's with so Christina, and I also have to say, I, I didn't realize I was doing this, but um, I kind of leave Natalie out, and I didn't mean to, but Natalie is also Mexican. <laughs> yes, I am. Racist oh, yeah. as hell! I can't believe I can't up. do it. I can't do the the yell. No, I can't do it's like very a, difficult. Okay, to do. I so I just
2: tried. All right, you all. know
1: what? Before I get like into this, can I just say to my Mexican listeners out there, um, rest in peace, Juan, Juan Gabriel. I Juan. I Juan. Juan. El Divo. Okay. Um, I miss him already. He was out there. Who remembers that novella when we were kids? Remember that novella? No. And the song was like, Oh, wait, you took my wine away again, girl. No, that's my... Wait, wait, (coughs) one of these is is mine. I think, no, no. Yeah, it might be yours. I'll take this one. So it's okay. We're all we're fine here. We're okay with We all know uh, each other. So need to get one of those pens. Anyway, that that, that was very much off topic topic, but back on topic. Um we're going to have a little discussion about some architecture in Mexico that really is speaks interesting it, speaks
0: it has, to our soul. So deep
1: down. You know, today's today's topic. The last episode in this episode are on <laughs> architecture and power, and it's very interesting to discuss what's been going on in Mexico City for the last like 600 years, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so to put it in context, we're going to discuss the Palacio Nacional or the National no palace, palace in English. In English. <laughs> um, Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, so, the Palacio is located in Mexico City's main square. It's called the Plaza de la Constitución, or El Zócalo. I don't call Zocalo. it. Zócalo. I mean, other
0: people, people call, call it Zócalo.
1: So, the, the Zócalo is really popular, and the reason why is because every year, on just before 11 p.m. on <laughs> September 15th, the president of Mexico gives El Grito. All right. Wow.
0: Do you know about the Grito? Oh, Have yeah. you been there for the yeah, Grito? I've never been there for the Grito. I've never but... been to Mexico City for <laughs> but
1: the But you hear about it. But I was in <laughs> Culiacan a couple years ago it. for the Grito, and Culiacan <laughs> is on no the sea west sea. coast, <laughs> northwestern <laughs> coast of Mexico. September 15th is Mexican Independence Day. September, 6th, September 16th. i sorry. 16th. <laughs> oh my god. The <laughs> Worst Mexican ever. Um, so September 16th <laughs> is uh, Mexican Independence Day. That is when Mexico said, fuck you, Spain, like we're free. And um, on that day... In, in the, in the tradition of Father Miguel Hidalgo, we, we go out into the street, we get real fucking drunk, and we scream. You literally just go, like, ah! That's <laughs> what el grito means in English. It's the scream.
0: Grito oh, means scream.
1: Yeah. So, on, on September 15th, right before midnight, the president of Mexico goes out out into okay so so the palacio is in this big huge courtyard it's called el socado and he goes out onto the balcony and he does his whole thing and it's really cool um it's a ceremony you ring the bell that hangs on the balcony the bell is the original bell that father miguel hidalgo rang to call for the rebellion against hmm. spain okay and it originally was hung in the church of Dolores Hidalgo in Guanajuato but it mm. was located to Mexico City real interesting all right the bell has the Mexican coat of arms which is the Aztec eagle knight and his Spanish counterpart and these wow. were these are so interesting and it but it's uh just one example of several instances sure. of synthesis between native indigenous, traditions, indigenous and and traditions, Hispanic traditions and european traditions yeah, yeah exactly and that's literally mexico okay that's... so <laughs> the palacio it's huge it's a palace
0: yeah. it's literally a palace and um it is high security this give your passport right. over when you go in Go wow. through a metal detector. Really? Oh, yeah. It wow. Is, it is
1: a serious place. Damn. It's a really important place. I it mean, It houses yeah. the National Archives. Sure. It houses, like, the um, place of, like, where they wrote the Constitution.
0: Right. and All of this Whoa. stuff. And, and for art history lovers, it houses a lot of Diego Rivera
1: murals. Oh, my God. Which are the most <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> oh,
0: yes.
1: Yeah. It makes me so excited.
2: What did you say last time you were like, I love that fat bastard? Was that what you said? Fat piece of shit. Fat piece of shit.
1: Fat piece of shit. And I love him very much. But he was a, not a good man. But you know what? We're going to have a conversation about Diego in another For episode sure. because I have a lot to say about him. I know a lot about his life. He's like a brother to me.
0: Um. <laughs> and uh, a piece of shit
1: brother. Yeah, as <laughs> that's what you
0: think of your brothers. As, I <laughs> apparently I
1: have a lot of terrible things to say about my brothers. Uh, <laughs> but back to the palace. So, the palace, the facade is made out of a type of volcanic rock called tezontle. Okay? Cool. This rock is a porous, highly oxidized volcanic rock. It's red volcano. in color, and that's due to the iron oxide. Okay, okay. This is significant for two reasons. A, Mexico City is in a valley, and it's a volcanic valley, and there are many volcanoes, and many of them are still active. Um, there's two really famous ones that are active. I'm not going to try to pronounce them right now. <laughs> what is it, Popocatépetl oh, or sure. something?
0: I don't speak. Aztecans, very it's Nawal. Nawal. I don't Sorry, speak Nawal.
1: It's very hard. It's Very, very complicated. Hard to is that like a
0: lot of consonants? Yeah. That's what the,
1: the that's what the natives um say. Yeah. Very um. True. So, <laughs> anyways, um, what's really interesting about the palace is its location. So, um, the very center of Mexico City
0: houses El Templo Mayor, which is the most coolest place ever. Have you ever had a chance to go to Mexico City? Go there. Wonderful ruins and a wonderful museum. They're not
1: even ruined. They're like perfect. They're perfect. They're perfect. And they also have a wonderful museum attached to it. It's amazing. It's seriously amazing. Mexico City is one of the most amazing places in the world. I highly suggest going there as soon as possible because it is sinking as we speak.
2: Oh! Yeah,
1: Mexico City, the Aztecs, before they were Aztecs, when they were still wandering nomads, had a vision and the vision was that they would wander until they found an eagle perched atop a cactus devouring a snake and where they would find this eagle determined where they were going to build their city center and they found the eagle and they found the eagle in the middle of a swamp and they swamps! said... Swamps! What's Rome. up with building in swamps? What is up <laughs> with that? Wow! Rome. Yeah, here we go. Rome was built on a swamp. They built it on a goddamn swamp, and um, like, which is fine because, that. you know, when you see old representations of what the Aztec city center, it was named Tenochtitlan. Mm.
2: See, that one, that word is really hard for me it's to It's hard to say. say, yes. It is a difficult word.
1: It's Tenochtitlan. Tenochtitlan. And Tenochtitlan was literally a city center built upon lagoons. And there were... Think Venice. A series of canals connected um, various parts of the city. And that is what Mexico City present day was built upon. Which is very interesting because modern day Mexico has never in any way, shape, or form really divorced themselves of their indigenous identity. And you see this in the Palacio because the Palacio, before it was known as the Palacio, was actually known as Moctezuma's new houses. Okay. Whoa! Yeah, really interesting. So Moctezuma II was the last great ruler of um, the Aztec Empire before um, the this- subjugation of the native peoples by Cortes and his men from spain and their disgusting syphilis and their (laughs) smallpox and all the disgusting shit that they brought over from their dirty ass european (laughs) dicks dirty european dicks came over and ruined everything let's just get one thing straight though as far as um here's the thing um yes the europeans came over and fucked everything up in a really major way but the aztecs were in no way shape or form little innocent natives um this is like so I'm like going to just barely touch on this but there's this idea of the noble savage ah! that is extolled by um problematic uh Europeans and a lot of people oh I think think about that when they think about <laughs> what the native. Yeah,
0: Cory just whispered Pocahontas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you know, what I'm trying to say is that the Aztecs were brutal motherfuckers and they were very um they were a war-faring people. And, um, and, you know, honestly, they would have taken over all of North America, honestly, before the, um, Spanish came over. I digress. Um, (laughs) what really is of importance here is that the area that is now known as the Palacio was the center of the, um, of the government of the Aztec people. And it's very interesting because at the time before the Spanish came over, um, the palace functioned as the Aztec Tlatoani's residence. So the Tlatoani, the Tlatoani, hmm. what it <laughs> translates to is like noble people. Okay. And it was, the, the, the Tlatoani were the people who were in charge of official functions. They were basically high government officials. And so the palaces were divided into two sections. There were, uh, there was the main facade. There was marble. There was painted stucco. There was a shield of the monarchy, uh, an eagle with a snake in its claws. Ah. Ah. And um, it was a very interesting place. There was the inside had three patios surrounded by porticos, which is porticos are a um series of. Columns, yes, Get yes, columns. and we know about porticos most famously from our Greek friends, Roman, and oh, Ro- Roman, 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 Roman friends. I'm sorry, Roman friends. My bad. Um, there was indoor sanitary facilities, fountains, gardens. There were bedrooms with tapestries of cotton, feathers, That's rabbit fur, wow. painted in bright colors. Oh,
2: beautiful. Oh, it was so
1: lovely. Luxurious. It was definitely luxurious. Hold on a second.
3: <laughs> it Rabbit? I know. I'm oh. sorry. I'm
1: sorry. Triggered. Oops. Oops. Um so. If you I feel like oops. this is
3: a good time to address this because we've never said this before. As you know, our logo okay. is a bunny. Oh, we haven't shown we have him. We haven't It's a bunny drinking out of wine glass, and that's he's been, a real bun. He's a real bun, and he's our little mascot. And we're gonna post pictures of him like yeah, on our Instagram. Yeah, we will. Um, he's my bun, and he's he is our our number one fan. He's a, good, our patron boy. He's he, a good boy. He's such a good boy. And so, uh, what I'm trying to say is, uh, say no to rabbit first. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> continue. <laughs> I will continue. So, um, basically, what happened
1: was when Cortez showed Cortez. up he saw this luxurious palace and he said, what the fuck? What are these people doing out here? Wow, they're rich. And he was so surprised God. that he immediately relayed letters to Charles the First in Spain and said, yo, you gotta get Carlos, it's lit out here. They got gold. They got fur. They got feathers. We need to <laughs> subdue these people ASAP. And that's essentially what happened so Cortez shows up everything gets fucked up the the houses of Moctezuma were not destroyed but they were basically rendered um completely in what is that word in uh, in inhabitable thank you god damn
2: um, <laughs> good thing. I was gonna say starting, inebriated.
1: <laughs> yes, they were rendered inebriated. <laughs> Words are hard sometimes. Words are hard, and so essentially, this this these palaces went from being um, Aztec palaces to ruins to okay. Now we have all this raw material. Let's build a Baroque palace, and that's what the Spanish did.
3: Ooh, girl. <laughs> Corey's Sorry. checking her Snapchat. Yeah, I got, a, I got a, a, a Frank Ocean snap. Have you guys heard the new okay. Frank Ocean? Wait, can we talk about it in like a second? Yes. We'll <laughs> talk about it in a second. Okay. Um, okay. So
1: um, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm gone. Um, In 1562, the Spanish crown bought the palace and the land for Martin Cortez, who was the son of Hernan Cortez. And um, that's not very interesting information. All it means is that it ceased to be um, the the seat of the Aztec royal empire. It went from Cortez into the Spanish royal crown. And it stayed that way for a long time into the 1830s. And in the eighteen thirties, this palace all of a sudden became a hot seat of revolution because the Mexican people were sick of it. They were sick of being the viceroy of the Spanish. And mm. and there was um and there was real revolution. And it was it was great. And honestly, this could really be like a, a very interesting episode. The Spanish Uh, The Mexican Revolution, there's so much to be said. There's so much art that came out of it. The Mexican Revolution, there's two of them, okay? The Mexican Revolution from Spain, and then the Mexican Revolution from itself. And that's essentially where we start to see the, the most famous art. So Mexico had a revolution, Immediately after they emancipated themselves from Spain, suddenly they found themselves in a 30-year-long dictatorship at the hands of Porfirio Diaz.
0: Diaz. (laughs) God damn it! Interesting fact, my mother's uncle (laughs) or cousin or somebody related to me served in his army
1: whoa oh. Oh, in his army not yeah, against yeah.
0: him no in his traitor but this a fuck <laughs> out
1: <laughs> but
0: we were rural mexicans living a rural life no uh, you know what yeah and we were know, an
3: honest people we
0: were honest good good earth people
2: <laughs> yeah
0: no <laughs> good it, earth but you know or
1: what like
0: us. it's you know <laughs>
1: Give it because it was 150 years ago It
2: was a long time, time ago, ago but you know
1: so there was the war for independence from Spain and then Mexico was immediately entrenched in a dictatorship and the dictatorship was um, really horrible in it and it resulted in what is kind of happening right now in the United States but not so bad where there's an extreme disparity between the rich and the poor and the poor are sick of it and they're tired and they're hungry and so around 1910 there was some chaos and the the war for the mexican revolution kicked off and um around that time is when once again we see a change of ownership essentially of the palacio so the palacio went from being the seat of the viceroy to becoming the center of government for the newly democratic Mexican government, which is what we know today to be the most current government. And what's wonderful is that the Palacio is the home to several beautiful Absolutely breathtaking murals by not only Diego Rivera. Rivera but also Orozco. Yeah, yeah. Orozco. Oh, yeah boy. Oh, I yeah love boy. him. Oh, I love him.
0: There are that that place is one magical, magical it's place.
1: Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Please go to Mexico City and go to the Palacio Nacional and check it out, you It guys, is worth. It. it is so good. <laughs> it's it's it. like really, really good. And. The point of this whole long ass story is that this area in Mexico City and this palace in particular has changed throughout time. It's become it's been the seat of several different power structures ranging from non-western indigenous Aztec to Spanish to dictator criollo which are the Mm -hmm. the white mexicans of european descent into finally the seat of government to the democratic mexican republic and as we speak we could say that mexico may be going through yet another power shift because um i don't know how many people out there are keeping up with what's going on in mexico but it's a real shit show down there (laughs) and it's a it's a seat of corruption The Mexican government is completely run and owned by the cartels and the president Peña Nieto is a piece of shit and he's a puppet to the cartels. And that's what's kind of going on right now. And I have a feeling that within the next few years, I think there's going to be some major revolution in Mexico. I I think that I mean, it's starting now. I think that Mexico is about due for a revolution every 100 years, just about. And I think that (laughs) I think that they're coming around. I think it's going to happen. And I'm and I'm excited because, you know, what? I have family down there. I've seen the violence firsthand of what the cartels are doing, and it's really scary, and and nobody is happy about it. So I can't wait to see who is going to run the Palacio next. So that's
3: all I got, you guys. (laughs) That's a good amount. Architecture. That's a solid amount of stuff. So we're going to move on to listener mail, finish things up. So we've got a message from John. Ooh, John. 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 Just a hello and thanks. Got into your cast a few weeks ago, and now I can't wait for the next ones to come up. Such a refreshing change from the usual boring stuff, but still super educational. I've learned a lot, especially the color theory episodes. Here's to a lot more of your laughter. Thanks so much. Oh,
1: John, what a sweet
3: baby angel! It's very sweet because we love to laugh, and we're so glad you enjoy our laughter. Appreciate our lack of seriousness, (laughs) but also our intense seriousness.
1: (laughs) It comes in combination. I love that
3: people. Sense it and that they appreciate it. And yeah, definitely. Really happy. Cause, you know, yeah. Because we're all very passionate, but we also like to have a good time. So we're glad you're enjoying so it. True. We're glad you're enjoying it. Um, yeah. Like many people have said before, you like the color theory episodes. A lot of people really liked those. Um so, to kind of continue Should in- we sing Purple Rain again?
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was a once in a lifetime Your harmonies thing. were on no, point. We're not going to sing it until the next episode. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah. You know, we should wait. Hold should on to your hat. Yeah.
1: Jenny and I are going to
3: just a sing our
1: hearts out. Because
3: our next episode, we're going to throughout the next year or so sprinkle some some specific episodes on specific colors. Yeah. We'll sprinkle just, it. Um, and our next episode after this one. One is going to be on the color purple. Woo! So if you want to learn more about purple, the history, the craziness behind it, stay tuned, my friends. Yeah,
1: you know, and I just, I just want to say something really quick. Every listener mail that we've gotten makes a um, comment about like, wow, you guys are making art history not boring, and. You know, it's... Yeah, I understand that there's, like, the stereotype that art history is so boring. And I am so happy if we are somehow challenging that. Yeah, because it's so fun! I don't think it's boring! I've never in my life been like, oh, this is so boring! And the fact that our discipline is this thing that's stereotypically boring... Yeah? ...makes me crazy. Like, I just don't understand. We're
3: very glad that you... You think we make it interesting because we obviously love it and find it interesting.
1: This is this is a call to all art
3: history professors and TAs, make and teachers, make it fun, be interesting, Come please. Come on, get drunk before class. It's an interesting topic. <laughs> Take wine
1: to class. <laughs> Act accordingly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah so thank you once again we love getting listener mail if you would like to send us listener mail and and even not just like i mean we love getting compliments and stuff but if you have a question <laughs> or would like to start a discussion about anything we talk about we'd love that like please send mm-hmm. us your questions like that would be yeah. fantastic Babes at gmail.com uh twitter at art history babes Instagram, Art History Biz Podcast. ArtHistoryVibes.com is our website where you'll find our sources and images. Um, like um. us on Facebook. And if you really want to help us out, we super appreciate it. Write a review for us on iTunes and get some traffic going in our, in our reviews. Yeah. Um, the ones we've gotten so far have been amazing. So thank you so much. But
2: yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks for. Joining us on the love of architecture. Woo! Keep, keep thinking about it.
3: There's so much to think it's about. It's cool. love it.
2: It's keep a... living
3: in buildings. <laughs> yeah, we're all about the keep, buildings. Keep going to buildings and maybe think about it. Be them. critical. Think about power
1: <laughs> when you're looking at them.
3: When you go to a building, think about power. Yeah. Think about it. <laughs> but thanks again. Peace out. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm